The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're beginning a brand new series today called Purpose. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, why you exist, the purpose of you, why God created you, why He made you the way that He made you, and and what God's purpose is for your life, the the general purpose He has for all of us as believers. But but also, we're going to get into the specific uh, purpose that God has for you. We're going to talk about some of the, the giftings that God has for you. You know, when you, when you receive Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, that God has some giftings He wants you to walk in. And, and a lot of people aren't walking in those giftings because they just don't know they exist. But God, receiving Jesus, He comes with gifts. He brings some gifts to the table and He wants you to walk in those. And, and you've experienced things in your life. And why have you experienced those things? And how can you leverage those experiences for, for the good of God, for the good of people around you? We're going to talk about the purpose God has for you. It's going to be really good. And I think this is so important because, uh, because purpose is, is vital to us walking in what God wants us to walk in. And yet, very few people really understand purpose like they should. In fact, I, I was reading this week, I read a, uh, a poll that was done a few years back where they asked all these people, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask him? And the number one answer was, why do I exist? Why do I exist? 94% of people, statistics tell us, have no idea why they exist. 94% of people are walking around this earth and they have no clue why they're here. And, and so here's the thing, if you don't know why something exists, then it's easy to confuse its purpose, right? Like if you don't know what something's purpose is, then sometimes it's hard for you to have that thing or yourself walk in the purposes that God has for you. Let, let me try to illustrate this for you, okay? I have with me here this morning a butter knife. You probably have seen one of these before. Anybody not seen a butter knife before? Okay, good, good. We've all seen these. Butter knife. And a butter knife is used... Uh, to cut butter, to spread butter, but we also use this with our food, to cut our food, you know, it's a, it's a good kitchen utensil that we all use. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been guilty in the past of using a butter knife outside of its designed purpose. It's called rednecking. And I have used one of these before to maybe pry something open, uh, maybe to tighten a screw. Anybody, anybody with me on this? Uh, and, 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 and actually, I've been able to make it work in a few occasions. Now, something I've noticed, when, it's, when I do this, it's not always real easy. It can be frustrating. Like, it would be easier for me to pry that, that you know, crown molding out with an actual pry bar rather than a butter knife. It'd be easier for me to tighten or loosen that screw with a real screwdriver rather than a butter knife. Because that's not what it was designed to do. It's not functioning within its designed purpose. The other thing I've noticed is when I, when I use this butter knife outside of its designed purpose, damage can be done. Like damage can be done to, to the wall. Damage can be done to the object. Damage can be done. Chips, things can happen to, to the knife. There's a lot of damage that can be done when it's not working within its designed purpose. Now here's what I want you to see. God created you and designed you and made you. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And there's a sweet spot that he's called you to live in. And in that, in that design purpose for your life is, is perfect everything. 
doesn't mean everything's always going to be perfect. You're going to face some stuff. But at the end of the day, God's going to help you to walk out and walk in victory. But, but you're going to feel at peace there. You're going to feel at home there. You're going to feel like your gifts match what you're doing. See, see, here's the truth. If the assigned work matches the designed purpose, it's easier, it's more efficient, and less damage is done. In the same way, if, if you're not walking in the purpose God has for you, then there's going to be some damage done. Damage done to you, damage done to other people. It's not going to feel right. This is something's going to be a little bit off. And, and, and so what's impo- it's vitally important that we understand this purpose that God has for us. And what I've kind of discovered and noticed, and you probably have noticed this too, is that there's a lot of people that are walking around and living their life, and because they don't have their purpose, they don't understand their purpose, basically they're living because they're not dead yet. You're just kind of going through life, and the only reason you're alive is because you haven't died. And, and you, you just, you, you go to work, you get a paycheck, you come home, you watch some TV, you go to bed, repeat. And your life is not really about anything. And, and you look at your life, and because you see yourself the wrong way, you disqualify yourself from the purposes of God. You look at yourself and you say, I'm just one person. You know, I'm one in six point whatever billion people exist on this earth. I'm just one person. I'm just in one little location. I, I'm not an inventor. I'm not, I'm not eloquent with my words. I'm not as smart as this. I'm not fill in the blank. And we, we look at ourselves and we disqualify ourselves from what God wants to do in our life because we see ourselves the wrong way. But, but we have to learn to see ourselves the right way because God has a purpose for your life that he wants you to step into. He wants you to walk into. And if you don't see it, then you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, what's the use? What's the point? Like, why does it matter who I marry? Why does it matter if I get married at all? Why does it matter what I do with my money? Why does it matter what I do with my time? I'm just, it's just me. I, I know me and I'm, I'm just me and, you know, I can't really do anything significant. And we disqualify ourselves from the purposes of God. But here's what I want you to see today. This is a statement we're going to keep coming back to throughout this entire series. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. I believe it's in your, in your notes this morning. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. Every one of you. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. You were not a mistake. You were not an accident. You didn't surprise God when you came into this world. You were created on purpose. And he didn't just... You didn't just happen to happen, but God, you, you happen because God has something for you to do. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So this is God talking. He says there are plans for good. Everybody say good. good. And not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Have you ever been talking to somebody and, and they look at you, or maybe you just walk into a room and you look at somebody, and they look at you and they say, I know what you're thinking. And you're like, Oh, well, help me out because I don't know, even know what I'm thinking. You know, give me husbands. You ever had this? Your wife says, I know what you're thinking. And you're like, what am I thinking? You think I look fat in this. I was thinking about how I want to go to Arby's after church today. I, this is kind of, when I read this verse, I kind of thought that way. Like, I know the plan. It's like we go to God sometimes. We're like, I know what you're thinking, God. You're thinking. And God says, no, no, no. I, I know what I'm thinking. I know the plans I have for you. And here's what they are. They're good plans. They're good and not for disaster. They're, they're to give you a future and a hope. You're not an accident. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 1 verse 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you, appointed you for an assignment. I appointed you as my prophet 
to the nations. God formed you. He created you. And he made you a certain way because he needs a certain you to reach a certain group of people. To make a certain impact in this world. And so he needs you. And you were crafted and created with a purpose. Look at this with me. This is Psalms 139. I've bolded some words in this. I want you to kind of look at this. This speaks to, look how God created us. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. We ever met somebody that's a little complex sometimes? Yeah. Your workmanship is marvelous. Marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Here's what that verse tells us. It says that God made us, God formed us, God saw us, God shaped us, God put us together. God planned every day of your life before you were born. You are not an accident. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. And I don't care what anybody else has said to you. I don't care if people in your life that were supposed to validate you did not validate you. I don't care if your parents didn't love you the way they should. I don't care if your mom was a crack addict and your dad was absent. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. God has an assignment for you. He knits you together. He placed you here for a reason. You are not an accident. But there is an enemy in your life. And his name is the devil or Satan. And he really is real. And he's not someone that us church folk came up with to try to scare you into doing stuff we want you to do. That's not it at all. He's not the boogeyman. He really is real. Jesus talked about him. Jesus had interaction with him. He tempted Jesus. And, and the Bible says that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. So he hates you. <laughs> Sorry to bring you that news this morning. But you need to know. you got an enemy. And he's seeking to destroy you. He's seeking to devour you and ruin your life. And one of the ways he does it is, is through your thought life. He says things and speaks things under you. See, here's what you got to understand. Whether you realize it or not, the devil knows what you're capable of. He knows the kind of damage you can do. He knows the kind of life you can live, and it scares him. And so he's doing everything he can to keep you from the life God's called you to, to keep you from the purposes that God wants you to walk in. So here's what he does. He comes to you, and he, he begins to speak these, these lies into your mind, telling you a false version of, of yourself, filling your mind up with these little, he takes these little thoughts like little seeds, and he puts them in your mind. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to begin to agree with them. And he wants you to begin to agree with them and begin to speak them over yourself so that they move from up here in your mind to your heart where they become your identity. And so he, he's looking for people that he can, he can lie to you through. He's looking for situations. He's looking for whatever he can do to mess you up. He, he wants you to look at culture. and He wants you to look at people and say, why can't I be as pretty as her? Why can't I be as strong as him? Why am I not as smart as him? Why, why, why? And when we look at this, he, he, here's what he tells us. Because you're not, because you're not like them, you're worthless. And he puts this in our mind, and so he wants us to believe it, to, to step into that reality because he knows what we're capable of. He knows the purpose God has for our life, and he wants to keep you from it. So the, the, the thing you have to come to terms with today is, are you going to believe him, or are you going to believe the Word of God? Amen. Because the Word of God says that you were created on purpose. Amen. That God has plans for your life. That God wants to do something through you that's significant, that impacts and changes generations. It's not just, not just about you, not just about even your family, but it's about the world, every one of you. And so you've got to move past this, 
This seeing yourself small, seeing yourself through the lens of the enemy. You've got to see yourself the right way. Because if you're ever going to walk in the purposes God has for you, you have to see yourself this way. You have to see the value that God places on your life. God values you. Turn to the person beside you and say, God values you. He really does. And you have to believe that. You have to see the value that God places on your life. The value that he, he wants you to experience. Because here's the thing that I've come, I've come to learn. You won't, you won't live up to the value. You won't live up to the value God has in your life if you don't see yourself as valuable. If you don't see yourself as valuable, things that we don't value, we just kind of toss to the side, right? And for some of you, the enemy wants you to toss your life to the side. He wants you to just live until you die. And, and even Christians, he wants you to just live. To, someday we're going to go to heaven. I'll just wait and I'll just run out the clock until I get to heaven. That is not... I, listen, I'm excited about heaven. I'm looking forward to it. But I'm not there yet. And God has a purpose for my life. And I also know this. What I do on this earth is going to determine the kind of heaven I step into. There's rewards that God has for you in heaven that you win here on earth in this short little time. We've got to make the most of our time. God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for you. You. Uneducated you. You that's been divorced. You that had a drug addiction for 10 years. You that's 12 years old. You that's 75 years old. You, God has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. And you got to see yourself this way because you will never experience what God has for you if you don't. So today, what I want to do is I want to, as we launch into this series, I want to start by looking at how God sees you. I want you to see yourself the way God sees sees you. Because if you don't see yourself the way God sees you, you will not step into what God wants you to step into. And it's good stuff, all right? So 1 Peter 2, verse 9, I told you to turn there. In, this, in these verses, we see four things that speak to the way God values us, the way God sees us. And then the fifth thing points to what he's called us to do. So here it is. He says, you are. Everybody say, you are. This is who you are. This is who God says you are. This is God talking here. God saying, this is who you are. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, so four things we see in this verse that speaks to how God sees us. We need to see ourselves this way. Here's the first one. Number one is this. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. People. In other words, here's another way of saying that. You're accepted. You have been accepted. God accepts you today. God accepts you. Now, this is important to you walking in the purpose God has for your life because the opposite of being accepted is being rejected. And, and a lot of people never step into the purpose God has for their life because they walk around and see the world through a lens of rejection. Because we've all been rejected. All of us. We've all had moments in our life where we've been rejected. Rejected by maybe family, by a parent, rejected by a coach, rejected by a love interest, rejected by a teacher. We all experience rejection. And rejection does damage to us. And, and, and a couple ways it can do damage to you is if you, when you experience rejection, if you're not careful, you can find yourself looking at the world through the lens of rejection. And when you do this, you allow the enemy to begin to interpret things to you. He becomes the interpreter of your life, and he, he makes you see things differently than how you should see them. For example, you walk into church, and, 
You know, you see somebody that you see every week, and they wave at you every week, and you say hi to them, and you have your little conversation with them. But this week, you walk in, and, and you walk past them, and, and they don't pay any attention to you. And so you go into church, and worship's going on, and you're over there going, what's their problem? What, what are they, do they think they're better than me now? What did I, I wonder if I did something wrong. You get in your car, and you, you start to rehearse. This whole thing is going through your mind. But here's, here's the truth. You know what happened? They didn't see you. That's all it was. But because you, you have this rejection on you, you're allowing the enemy to interpret it another way, and he's running you ragged. When the reality is they just didn't see you. And, and when you have this spirit of rejection on you, this rejection thing on you, it, it does a lot of damage because here's what happens. People who have, who have this on them, rather than be rejected, they reject. It becomes a defense mechanism. I'm not going to let anybody reject me. I've been rejected before. I don't want that. So rather than be rejected at the first sign of what I think somebody may be rejecting me, I'm going to reject them. And so we begin to reject these people. And then what happens? When you begin to reject people and push them out of your life, what do they do? They begin to kind of reject you back because nobody likes to be rejected. And so now you feed the very fear that you had. And you walk away going, see, everybody rejects me. I'm just one of those people. I'm not accepted. I'm rejected. And it's all in your head. And, and here's the thing. Here's the focus of a person who, who looks at life this way. Their focus is on them. It's all about me. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. I'm not good enough. I've been rejected. And we look at the world this way. Another thing I've noticed about people who are dealing with rejection is they chase after acceptance. So, for example, maybe there's someone in your life that should have loved you and accepted you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was uh, a, a co-worker that you worked with. Maybe it was someone that you had a great relationship with. Maybe it was a pastor. And, and they, they did you dirty. <laughs> they rejected you. And, and so now, there's something inside of you that says, because they rejected you, here's what they said to you in your eyes. You're worthless. And so now you want to prove to them, no, you had it all wrong. You didn't see me the right way. I'm going to show you. I'll show you. I'm not worthless. I, I have value. And so we're, what are we doing? We're chasing after their acceptance. And, and let me just tell you, most likely, you're never going to get it. And, and when you're, as you're chasing after this acceptance, here's what you're missing out on. The purpose of God. The purpose of the one, listen, who accepts you. That's what the Bible says. He says you are a chosen people. And if you're going to step into your purpose, you have, to, you have to live from that. You have to come to terms with the fact that God has chosen you. He accepts you. So you quit chasing acceptance and you start living from it. Quit chasing approval and start living from it. God approves of you. If you're a child of God, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been accepted, you've been approved. So quit chasing after it and start living from it. Amen? Amen. Here's number two. Number one, you're, you're a chosen people. Number two. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Royal priesthood, a holy nation. What is that talking about? Here's what it speaks to. It speaks to the value that God has for you. I love this about God, that he doesn't just accept us, but that he actually values you. As I was thinking about this this week, I thought about, you know, being a kid and you're playing sports and you're picking teams, right? And so you're going, I'll take him. And, you know, and you get to the end, and there's that kid that's left over, Jimmy. And Jimmy on the court, man, he's a chucker. Like he gets the ball half court, and he's just throwing it up. So, hey, you don't want Jimmy. But I got to have five, so okay, I'll take, 
guess I'll take Jimmy. Come on. I'm telling the other guys, don't pass to Jimmy. And sometimes that's how we see ourselves. Okay, God accepts me, but it's like God's going, listen, just, okay, you can be on my team, but can you just stay over there and kind of stay out of the way and don't chuck it? That's how we see ourselves. Listen, that's not how God chooses you. That's not how God accepts you. Listen, God, you are the number one draft pick overall for Jesus Christ. Every one of you. Don't ask me how he does it. I don't know, but you are. Every one of us, you've been chosen. You've been accepted. You are valuable to God. You're extremely valuable. Now, there's four things, I think, that speak to the value of someone, that, or, or the value of something that I think speak to the value that God places on us. The first thing is this. It's rarity. The more rare something is, the more valuable it is a lot of times. Like in my house, uh, not too long ago, my son, Gus, he's uh, about to turn 10. He's gotten into sports cards, baseball and football cards. And so not too long ago, I got up in the attic and I found boxes and boxes of cards that I have and card books and all this stuff that I collected. Because when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, hang on to all that stuff. It's going to be worth something someday. And so I did. And it's worth nothing. Why? Here's why. Because, see, my dad's generation, they're the ones that didn't hang on to their cards. And had they hung on to them, they'd be worth a lot of money. But they didn't. And so they came, they had their sons, and they were like, hang on to those. They're going to be worth. But they're not. Even, like, my best cards are like, oh, this is great. This Barry Sanders rookie card's worth a quarter. Awesome. Doesn't matter. Because why? Because they're not rare. Because all these little boys were collecting these cards. And we all have attics full of these cards. They're not rare. But when something's rare, it's, it's valuable. Listen. You are the only you on the planet. And you're not just the only you on the planet. You're the only you in history. God created you and fashioned you and made a special you. God didn't just like create a conveyor belt and every person was the same color with the same hair and the same eyes and the same voice and the same fingerprints, the same voice. It's not how God created us. Every one of us is individual. There's no one like you in the world. There's no one like you in human history. You are the only you and that makes you valuable. You are a rare commodity, and God values you because of that. Here's the second thing, the quality of craftsmanship. Two cars can come off the assembly line. One is a Ford Focus. One is a Porsche 911 Turbo. One of them is worth a whole lot more than the other. Why? Because of the quality of craftsmanship. One of them was created, and great attention to detail went into how that car was made, and the engine, and, and the trim, and all of the, all of the bells and whistles that, that, that made that car make it so valuable. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb, that he, he carefully crafted you and made you just the way you are. Whether you like that or not, God made you the way you are. And if you don't like it, it's because you don't see it the right way. But God made you special. He made you valuable. You are important and special to him. Here, here's the third thing that speaks to the value of something is who owns something. Because when someone famous, someone wealthy, someone influential, powerful owns something, typically it's worth a little bit more. Like you go into a museum and you begin to look around. What is in a museum? It's just a bunch of stuff. It's chairs and canes and hats and all this different stuff. But it's all valuable. Why is it valuable? Because of who owned it. Because who it belonged to at one time. I read that a few years ago, a lock of Elvis Presley's hair sold for $116,000 at auction. I get my hair cut every week. No one's putting it up on eBay, right? Not you. That hair was valuable because of who it belonged to. Now, here's the great thing. You and me, we belong to God. We're his 
possession. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you become a possession of him. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God, his treasured possession. And because he owns you as a child of God, you are valuable. Because the most powerful, most influential being in the universe, you belong to him. Here's the fourth thing that speaks to the value of something is what is somebody willing to pay for it? The stuff that you have in your life is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Your house, you may have a value for it, but what it's worth is what someone is willing to pay for it. Whether that's higher or lower, I don't know, but the va- that's the true value of what it is, is what someone is willing to pay for. Now, here's where this speaks to us. What was God willing to pay for you? He, he was willing to give his first, his only his best, his son, himself, to die on a cross for your sins. You want to know how much you're worth? Look at the cross. That's how much value God puts on your life. He was willing to pay for your life with his very, the very life of God himself. You are valuable. You're extremely valuable to God. So you are a chosen people. You're completely accepted by God. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're extremely valuable to God. You are priceless to God. Here's number three. You are a people belonging to God. You're a people belonging to God. Now, here's what I'm speaking at. You're not just a possession of God. You're actually, you belong to the family of God. You belong to the family of God. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you you come to be a part of the family of God. Hebrews 2.11 says it this way. Jesus and the ones he makes holy. Who are the ones he makes holy? Those who accept the gift of salvation, those who accept what he did at the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. You're made holy. Your sins are forgiven. He makes you holy. Have the same father. If you have the same father as someone, that makes you kin, right? You're related. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. You're, you're God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's not just your God. He's your father. And Jesus is your brother, And you're in the family of God. And notice that it says that he's not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. Like it doesn't say he's willing to admit that you're his brother and sister. It says he's not ashamed. In other words, he's like bragging about it. Like maybe you have someone in your family that's like the black sheep. You know, it's that weird aunt or uncle or that brother or sister. And and somebody's like, oh, you're related to, to Jimmy? Sorry, I'm picking on Jimmy this morning. You're related to Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we see, our, that's kind of how we see like we are with God. It's like someone's coming up to Jesus going, oh, Jimmy's, you're related to Jimmy? And Jesus is like, yeah, but his parents dropped him on his head when he was, you know. <laughs> no, no, listen. Jesus says, yeah, I'm related to Jimmy. I love Jimmy. Why? And here's why. Because, listen. Jesus doesn't see you for your mistakes. Your identity is not your sin. That's not how Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you through the, through the filter of the cross, through what he's done for you. You've been forgiven. You've been made new. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus. The old you has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not the same person once you make Jesus Lord of your life. And he doesn't see you as the same person. He sees you as forgiven. He's repackaged you as a child of God, and that's who you are. He slaps a label on you and says, son and daughter, and that's who you are. And you have to believe that, and you have to see it that way. Let me, let me try to illustrate this for you, okay? I've got some ketchup up here this morning. 
Now, this ketchup is Heinz tomato ketchup, right? So Heinz made this ketchup. They created it. It's got their, their ingredients, their formula. It's, it's there. And they packaged it, and they put it together, and then they slapped their, their name on it, Heinz. It's a part of the family of products that Heinz makes. So they're proud to call it Heinz tomato ketchup, right? Now, I could look at this ketchup, and I could say, that is mayonnaise. Does that make it mayonnaise? No. I could say, no, it's not ketchup, it's mustard. This is mustard. I, I don't care what this label says. I, it's, it's mustard. I'm telling you, that's mustard. Does that make it mustard? No. Who gets to determine what this is? The creator. Who gets, who gets to label it? The creator. You guys follow me? When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were recreated in Christ Jesus. And he slaps a label on you. And you can find this label in the scripture. And who he says you are is who you are. And, it, and when someone comes up to you and says, you're, a, you're worthless, you're a loser. When they say that to you, it's the same as me saying, this is mayonnaise. What is that? It's a lie. The people who told you you were worthless, the people who told you you never amount to anything, the people who told you that you, you, you shouldn't have been born, that you were a mistake, listen, listen. They lied to you. What the word of God says is the truth. And God says you're accepted. I love that we sang that song this morning. You know, we didn't plan that. We really didn't. David had picked that song out for our band to do a couple weeks ago. And I wrote the message this week. We didn't plan this together. But, but it's true. What God says about you is true. And you have to buy into that. You have to believe that. God gets to label you. The word is what labels you. So anything other than that, parents, anyone, I don't care who said it, they lied to you. What God says is true. Amen? So here's number four. You have been, you have received mercy. You have received mercy. Here's what that means. You've been forgiven. And this forgiveness that God offers you is incredible forgiveness. I mean, it is complete Total forgiveness. It says it like this, 1 Peter 2, verse 10. At one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. That's, that's who you are. That's who God says you are. So God's given you forgiveness, and it's total forgiveness. Psalms 103, verse 12 says it this way. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Notice that, that it doesn't say he's removed your sins as far as Jerusalem is from Judea as far as China is from Russia, or as far as Oklahoma is from New York. Why? Because those are measurable distances. He just gives a direction. It's not a measurable distance. The east from the west, there's no measurement of that. In other words, you, you can't even fathom how much forgiveness you've received. It's immeasurable. The forgiveness that God has placed on your life, you have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do this because it's who I am. It's the nature of God to forgive you. That's who he is. He wants to forgive you. I will Look at this. I will not hold your sins against you. God's not holding your sin over your head, reminding you all the dumb things you've done in your past. Once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he forgives you and he forgets about the stuff you've done in the past. Ephesians 1 verse 7, for by the blood of Christ, what Jesus did, by what he did at the cross, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. The grace of God says that you're forgiven. You didn't earn it. Jesus earned it for you. You receive it freely through him by grace, by faith. You receive this gift of grace that he has for you, and you're forgiven. And, and this is important for you in walking in your purpose because if you feel guilty, you're going to live guilty. 
I read this week about this guy who had committed a crime. It wasn't like a major crime, but it was a big enough crime that he was going to have to serve a prison sentence. And so at his sentencing, the judge said, all right, you know, you're going to go home and then you'll get some, you know, direction that'll tell you when to report and all this stuff to, to go to prison. And so this guy goes home and he's waiting and he never gets any kind of stuff to tell him to report. And time goes by and weeks go by and months go by and a year goes by and another year goes by. And this guy is, is guilty, but he's, he's living in freedom. And, and so this guy starts to think, well, you know, I'm not going to go check in on this because <laughs> like, hey, I, you know, I'm supposed to serve a prison. So, like he was just like, I'm just going to let it go. And so he just lets it go. But, and he just goes on with his life. He gets married, has kids. Like 10 years into this one day, he's got a family, got a job, got a career, and he gets a knock on the door. And it's the police. And they haul him away and take him to prison. They, they found their error, and they took this guy to prison and locked him up. And it was interesting because the guy was talking about, during that time, even though he was free, he didn't feel free. He, he lived with this sense of guilt, this sense of the past catching up with him, this sense of, I'm going to get hit at some point. At some point in my life, this is going to come back and bite me. So he's, he's living looking backwards all the time. And for some of us, that's how we live. We, we make Jesus the Lord of our life, but we, we keep living like we're guilty. We keep remembering the mistakes of our past. We remember them, and we keep looking back at those. And listen, when you're looking back at your mistakes, you can't look forward into what God has for you. We can't live back like flinching, worrying about the day that it's all going to catch up with us and we're going to get slammed. No, no, no. That's, you've been forgiven. God's forgiven you. So you can walk in freedom. You can walk ahead into the life, into the purpose that he has for you. Okay, so here's, here's number five. There's the four things that speak to how God sees you, how you need to see yourself. And here's what that points to. Number five, you are a called people. You are called people. Here's what that means. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. First Peter 2, 9 again. That you may declare the praises of him who called you. Everybody say called you. He called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. God has called you. You have been called to a purpose. God has a purpose, a calling for your life. Second Timothy 1, verse 9. He saved us and called us to a holy life. You have a calling, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This is a gift of grace that comes from God. And listen, this gift of grace, this calling, this purpose God has for you is good. It, it's, it's the best version of your life you could ever imagine. It, it's not perfect, but, but in your purpose, everything works out for your good. In fact, Romans eight twenty eight says it this way. And we know that God causes everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Here's what that says. When you're walking in the purpose of God, in the calling that he's placed on your life, it's all going to work out. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But at the end of the day, it's all going to work out. He's going to make it work out for your good. It's going to be for your benefit because you're doing things the way God's called you to do it. God has a calling on, a life, on your life, a purpose for your life. It's a, now, so what is that? What does that look like? Well, there's, there's two parts of it. There is a, there's a general purpose that God has for your life, and there is a specific purpose that God has for your life, general and specific. The general purpose is the general purpose that we all have. This is the big win that we're all called to as Christians. The specific 
uh, purpose has to do with your assignment specifically. What God's called you to do. The, the specific assignment that, and the giftings and the abilities he's placed in you to walk out in this world. And the best way I know how to illustrate it is by thinking of sports. Think about a football team. A football team has, as, as a team, all the players on that team have a general goal. And it is to win, right? They all want to win the game. They want to keep winning. They want to, they want to win so they can keep winning and win this, eventually win the Super Bowl. That's the big overall goal. Keep winning and winning and winning. But within that team, there's also people that have specific assignments, like a running back. He has, he has a specific purpose. He wants to run for, for 100 yards in a game. He wants to score two touchdowns. He wants to make sure he does all his blocking assignments. He wants to walk in the specific purpose because him walking in his specific purpose also helps the team to walk in the overall purpose. So God has a specific purpose for you, and next week, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at that in detail. I want to help you understand maybe the, the specific purpose that God's called you to, the way he's made you, the giftings that he has made available to you, the way that he's crafted you. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks, maybe some of the experiences you've had, the pains that you've had to deal with, whatever that may be, how you can utilize those for the specific purpose God has called you to. But I want to speak right now about the general purpose that you have, and here it is. This is the general purpose that every one of us has as a believer. Here it is. We are to glorify God. That is the assignment we all share together. We are called to bring glory to God. Look at what it says again. First Peter 2, 9, that you may declare the praises. You may declare the praises. That's glorifying God of him who called you. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, it, says this. It says, God talking here, he says, bring to me all the people who are mine, whom I made, look at this, for my glory. You were made for the glory of God. Bring, bring me my people who I made for my glory. That's what this verse says. You were made for the glory of God, who I formed and made. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all. Do it all. Everybody say all. All, all means all. All means everything. Do everything. For the glory of God. The big purpose that God has called each and every one of us to, that we all carry, is the assignment to bring glory to God. In every aspect of our life. In everything. Everything. In your relationships, God's called you to bring glory to God. In the way you conduct yourself in relationships. In the purity that you walk in in relationships. In the way you treat other people in relationships. In the way you conduct yourself in marriage. People should be able to look at your marriage and it, and it brings praises and glory to God. The way that you conduct yourself in your marriage. The way you raise your children should bring glory to God. Your kids should be able to look at the way you're parenting and say that that's God glorifying parenting right there. You, you should be able to look at your kids and see that parenting them the correct way brings glory to God. People should be able to look at the way you're parenting your kids and say, that person is doing things God's way. That's, that brings glory to God. God wants you to bring glory to Him in the way you conduct yourself in, in your work life, in business, the way you do business transactions, the way you treat your employees, the way you treat your employers, how you work. Are you working unto the Lord? How you conduct yourself in business is, speaks to the glory of God being on display in your life. God wants you to bring glory to God in how you deal with your body, how you put down your flesh, what you put into your body, what you eat, what you drink. Some of you are looking at me kind of funny right now. Oh, you did not just go to my diet. Yeah, I did. Because it, it said everything, right? In all? Is that right? In all, right? Yeah, in all. 
See, we, we want to compartmentalize our life. And we want to say, God, you're over here. I'll give you this area. I'll give you this area. But my money, no, 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 no. My health, no, 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 no. I got that one. I got this. Any area of your life that you don't give to God, he can't help you in. And God wants to help you in your purpose. He really does. See, God hasn't called you to these purposes so that you're on your own. That's not the life he's called you to. God wants to, God wants to empower you for your purposes. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's a good one. God wants to empower you for the purposes he's called you to. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Here's what that verse is not saying. God, I know that you're going to just bless anything I want to do. That's not what it's saying. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you do things through Christ, he strengthens you. When you do things submitted to, to God's plan, God's way of doing things, when you're filtering your life through the way God would call you to do it, the way God would ask you to live, when you do things God's way, he empowers you to do it. Listen, the purpose he has for your life, he's called you to. And if you'll do it his way, he'll empower you to walk in it. And again, it's the best life you could ever imagine. It's an incredible life for yourself. And so God hasn't called you to these things. Like he hasn't called you to have good relationships and have, good, have a good job and do all this stuff and struggle through it. No, no, God wants to, God wants to bring, empower you to have a good marriage. He wants to empower you to have good finances, to, to do well in, in your work life. He wants to empower you to raise your children. He wants to empower you. That, that brings glory to God. And he wants to help you in that way. But listen, it starts here. It starts with you've got to believe what God says about you. You've got to see yourself the right way. God has a purpose for you, but you've got to see yourself the right way. And I don't care what anybody said over your life. And I don't care who it was. Parents, ex-spouses, friends. If the devil is speaking it to you directly, if it's, just, if it's you speaking it to yourself, if it's not in God's word, then it's a lie. You are who he says you are. You are what his word says you are. And you can do what his word says you can do, whatever that may be. And here's what his word says you can do. Make a difference in the world around you. He's called you to a purpose. You've been called for a purpose and on purpose. Who God says you are is this. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are valuable. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. Make sure you're back here next week. It's going to be good. We're going to get in the specifics of your purpose. You're not going to want to miss this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? If you're new to New Song Church, here's another way of saying that. Like, what are you thinking right now? And I feel strongly that there's some of you in here today and you have believed some lies. You've allowed yourself to believe some lies that people have said over you boxed yourself into a purpose that, that is not God's purpose for you because you've allowed people to steal away your purpose. You've allowed the enemy to use people to knock you off of the course that God has for your life. And I believe God is saying to you today, I love you and I've called you and what they said about you isn't true. Listen, some of you need to hear this. What they said about you was a lie. Some of you just need to listen to that for a minute. 
was a lie. You are loved. You're accepted. You're special. You're valuable. That's the truth. The Bible says we know the truth and the truth sets us free. Lord, I pray for freedom today for some people in here. Thank you, Lord God, for those lies being exposed. I know there's probably people in here that are remembering back to their childhood, maybe finding themselves seeing a scenario or a situation where something happened. Maybe somebody did something to them that made them feel dirty. Maybe someone you loved or that should have loved you said things that hurt you and you've carried those with you. sitting there, would you just put your hands out like this? Just kind of put your hands out like this in, a, in kind of an attitude of receiving. I want you to just, just allow God to just minister to you right now. Let him just kind of minister his love to you right now. I pray, Lord, that you just download your love into our church, into these people today, that they would experience a tangible touch of the love of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.